This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. Um, it's Andy Bailey here with you going solo again. We're going to do another one of these mailbag podcasts. Um, as always, shout out to you guys for providing so much strong content right out of the gate. I should be able to uh, have some fun answering these questions as I always do. Uh, before we get into the questions, though, I'll just do the usual housekeeping stuff. Um, if you have not rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the show already, make sure you do that. And if you have, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, your acquaintances, uh, people you randomly bump into on, on your way to work, anywhere in life, uh, just brighten their lives a little bit. Tell them about Hardwood knocks, and they'll be uh, much happier human beings after that. You can... Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. You can follow me at Andrew D. Bailey, Dan at Dan Favalli. Uh, the, the podcast network, which turns out loads of good content across all kinds of sports, um, all the NBA teams you can think of. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming you can think of all of them. But anyway, at Blue Wire Pods. Whew. Okay, Dan usually does the... Uh, long-winded intros, so I'm, I'm a little uh, out of shape and not just in, in podcasting shape. Let's dive into some of these questions. So, um, I'm chuckling a little bit because some of these are were coming at me with some fire. I'm going to start with this one since I'm actually watching uh, Grizzlies Kings as I record. If you're the Kings, would you rather Bogdan or Buddy? Going forward, I guess he means, would you rather have Bogdan or Buddy? Um, I'm a big Bogdan Bogdanovich fan. I, I think people who follow me on Twitter probably know that. I mean, it's not like I post a ton about him, but um, you know, I think he's a versatile player. Can shoot the ball a little bit. I, I think he's a decent creator, um, decent pick and roll guy. I think the answer is pretty clearly Buddy Heald, though. Um, one thing I, th I think people maybe don't realize about Bogdan, and I guess it doesn't really matter in this conversation because Buddy is, we can say the same thing about Buddy. Bogdan's a little bit older than people realize. Um, he came into the league a little bit older than most people do. He's already 27 years old. Um, ditto for Buddy Heald, though. So, again, maybe that's that's not a big deal in this particular comparison. Um, but you, you certainly can't give Bogdan a leg up over Buddy in that part of the equation. And I just think Buddy's ceiling as a shooter is a lot higher. And I actually think Buddy can create a little bit as well. Um, and he's had a couple seasons here or there where his steal numbers were, were pretty decent too. So for me, it's Buddy Heald. Um, 
Bogdan Bogdanovich is a guy who's another thing on him. He's never had a league average true shooting percentage. Um, he's a decent shooter. He's not a great shooter. Buddy Heald, his numbers are down a little bit this season. He's he's just barely above average in terms of true shooting percentage. But he was comfortably above last season, which was sort of his breakout when he averaged 20.7 points and shot 42.7% from three. I think you can just get a lot better combination of volume and efficiency from him from beyond the arc. And so he's he's the guy I would pick. And Sacramento's obviously already invested a lot in Heald. I don't think that means they need to let Bogdanovich walk in free agency this summer. In fact, there's been a bunch of reports that they'll match um, whatever deal comes Bogdanovich's way. I'm sure there's some wild number out there that they maybe wouldn't match. But I don't, you know, Dan and I talked about this on a previous episode. Um, there's not a lot of teams with cap space, first of all. And the ones who do have cap space, it's kind of hard to think can they justify, you know, spending a max or you know, close to max or even like 20 to 25 million on someone like Bogdan Bonnet, Bogdan Bogdanovich, excuse me. So if he signs a reasonable offer sheet, I think he's going to be back on the Kings and the Kings won't really have to make this choice. I, I think they can have both guys and I think long-term they should be able to play together. Okay. That was kind of a long answer. Um, good question by Latchy Somerville. Um, at Ca- <laughs> Comrade Novoselli. Let's see. Um, from Paul Hyam. At P-M-H-I-G-H-U-M. You'll have to tell me if I pronounce that correctly. Are MPJ's minutes significant enough for his numbers to mean anything? Um, yes and no. <laughs> How's that for a non-answer? I think we can probably deduce some things from Michael Porter Jr.'s numbers. Uh, maybe not like broad sweeping takeaways at this point. I mean, let's pull up his page here real quick. I think he's right around 500 minutes, which is obviously a very small sample. Um, let's see, 556 total minutes. Uh, so we can't, you know, say I, you know, I know for sure that he's going to be a double-digit 20 and 10 type of guy for the rest of his career because of the first 500 minutes that he's played. I think you can draw some conclusions from it, though, and especially if you supplement it with actually watching him play. Like, he he has a good feel for the game. Sometimes he looks a little bit, like, almost lurchy to me. Like, he, he doesn't move super fluid all the time, and so maybe that's a little bit of a concern, but he's got a great feel especially on offense he makes good cuts which is a huge deal when you're playing with Nikola Jokic um he's he's hitting his open threes right now he's 38 of 88 from 3 overall 43.2% um those per 36 minute numbers are just massive right now 20 points 11 rebounds a block a steal two and a half threes um he just does a little bit of everything so can you take something from his numbers? I think so. I, I think it's fine to be encouraged by good play in the first 500 minutes. Um, but first 500 minutes is first 500 minutes. And you can't, again, you just can't make like broad sweeping conclusions from that. This, the sample needs to be bigger. But he certainly, I guess you could say he's given some cause for concern on defense. But when you're a rookie and you've only played 500 minutes, you know, I think it's a lot it's better to focus on, on what he's doing well. Uh, at least that's kind of how I look at young guys. So um, I'm in on Michael Porter Jr. I think he has played enough to for us to be excited. 
Um, maybe with just like a hint of caution still. Okay. Ooh, Lane. At L-A-Y-N-S-5 asks, who would your five MVP votes go to right now? Um, boy, I wish I had a vote. Let's see. I am going to pull up Basketball References MVP tracker just as like a frame of reference. Um, here's how they have it right now or how, how their statistical model has it rather. Giannis Antetokounmpo number one uh, by an overwhelming advantage. And that makes sense, obviously. 57.6% uh, chance. James Harden at number two, 12.1% chance. LeBron James, number three, at 9.7%. Anthony Davis, number four, at 8.4%. Luka Doncic, 4.6%. Um, Nikola Jokic, 2.2%. Chris, Chris Middleton, 1.7%. Uh, I've been on like a little mini crusade trying to get people to appreciate him this season. Kawhi Leonard is number eight at 1.4%. And then Jimmy Butler and Rudy Gobert tied for ninth at 1.2%. So that's how Basketball References uh, MVP Tracker sees it. Um, I'll, I'll read you their explanation. Um, the tracker ranks candidates based on a model built using previous voting results. Uh, this does not represent the opinion of this site. Rather, these are the players that the voters are likely to target. So... <clears throat> My personal top five, I, I think Giannis is a clear number one. Uh, that's pretty easy. What he's doing in the amount of time that he's doing it in is just absurd. Um, when you adjust his numbers for pace and playing time, he, he's, you know, I've probably cited this a bunch of times on this podcast, but it's like 33 points, 14, 15 rebounds, six or seven assists. Um, you know, obviously a true shooting percentage around 60. It's just absurd what he's doing, and I've, I've, I think I've said this before, but he's basically putting up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar numbers with more passing, which is just wild to think about. I, I think he's the runaway leader for MVP. No one is close. Uh, Milwaukee is still on pace for about seventy wins. Um, that and his numbers—that's just—it's insurmountable. I, I think we honestly might even be like approaching unanimous territory. So he he might be the second player in NBA history to get a unanimous MVP. Um, yeah, there, there'll probably be a straggler here or there who'll vote for somebody else, but um, I don't think there are very, very strong arguments for other people. My number two, I'm, I'm going to differ from the model right away. I'd, I'd probably have LeBron number two. Um, I think what he's doing this season is far more important to the Lakers than what Davis is doing. I ran these numbers the other day. They, they may not be exact. I'm just kind of, you know, going from memory right now. But the Lakers are something like plus 10 points per 100 possessions when both LeBron and AD are on the floor. I think they bumps up to plus 11 when LeBron plays without AD. And then when AD plays without LeBron, it, it just plummets down to like minus 3 or minus 4. Um, it's It's just remarkable, the impact that LeBron James is having on the Lakers. At this point in his career, um, <laughs> what he's doing, he, I mean, he's been in unprecedented territory for a while, but what he's doing now at this age with the amount of minutes that he's played in the regular season, postseason, uh, Olympics, you know, other international competitions, it just defies all explanation that he can continue to play and produce at the level that he's at. 
Um, especially, especially now, I mean, he, this many seasons into his career to average a career high in assists is just absurd. Um, so anyway, he'd be my number two. I, I think he is far and away the most important player on the Lakers, and they've got the second best record in the league. Um, and they're not too far behind the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are forty-seven and eight after tonight. The the Lakers are four back in the loss column. They're forty-one and twelve. My number three. Oh man, this is this is harder than I thought it'd be. I, I think I'd probably go with James Harden, but I almost want to say it's a toss-up between Harden and Luka Doncic. Maybe I give it to Harden just because he's been a little bit more durable. Um, but a little piece of me thinks that Luka might actually be more valuable to what Dallas is doing than, than Harden is to what Houston's doing. Uh, Russell Westbrook's been awesome the last few weeks. Uh, and so maybe that's maybe that hurts Harden's MVP case a little bit. I don't know. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and say that's a toss-up, Harden and Luka in that 3-4 slot. And then my number five would be Jokic. Um, he He's dinged, and I think probably rightfully so, by the slow start that he had to the season. Uh, but what he's done basically since December 1st, he's right on track with what he did last season and, and close to what he did in the post last postseason. Um, <laughs> 22.9 points, 10.2 rebounds, 7.3 assists, 1.2 steals, uh, 1.43s. Those are all his numbers since December 1st, uh, which is a, we're now looking at a 38 game sample size. Uh, so again, 23, 10, and 7. It's, it's just absurd. Um, Denver's kind of cruising along. They're very much in the hunt for number two in the West. And I think he, he perhaps more than anyone else, well, uh, probably not more than Giannis. What I was going to say is perhaps more than anyone else on this list, you can say like he is the absolute no questions asked engine of that team. Um, but again, probably we could probably say the same thing about Giannis. So that's my top five. I'm going to say Giannis number one, uh, LeBron number two, toss up between Luka and Harden for three and four, and then Jokic at five. I feel uh, other than kind of copping out on the, the spots three and four, I feel fairly comfortable in that uh, listing. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part? When you do sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up at Hardwood Knox. It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Logan Castle, at Logan J. Castle. Tell me if it's Castle or Cassell. I'm always curious to know if I'm pronouncing everybody's names right. He asks, who gets the eight seed in the West? Um, again, I'm watching a couple teams that are in that battle right now. The Grizzlies and the Kings. Uh, maybe the Kings are <laughs> not so much in the battle. I guess they haven't been mathematically eliminated. It's just kind of hard for them to, for me to see them making up that gap. 
I'm actually going to stick with the Grizzlies. I know that they have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. I know that they're young. Um, but they have a pretty solid cushion built up against the teams behind them. I'm going to pull up the standings right now. I think it's like four or five games. Um, but I want to get the exact numbers. So, yeah, Memphis is currently in eighth. They're 28 and 26. That's, you know, tonight's result not has not come in yet. Uh, Dan's going to love how much I dated this podcast. But <clears throat> the Portland Trailblazers are four games back. They're in ninth. The Spurs are five games back. And the Pelicans are five and a half games back. That's a pretty good lead to have with 25, 30 games to go. Um, a five or six game losing streak can change things dramatically. And that's certainly in the realm of possibility for a team as young as the Grizzlies and for a team that's got as difficult a schedule as the Grizzlies. And there's there's things to like about those three teams I named behind them. Um, Portland obviously has Lillard. If he gets on another tear like he had earlier in this season, they're certainly going to stay alive. Um, the Spurs still have that White Walker thing about them where it's just kind of hard to say definitively that they're done. And then the Pelicans have Zion. Um, and, and they've just been phenomenal with him on the floor. One of the better net rating swings in the NBA this season. I think it's something like you know, 15, 16 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor. So <laughs> that's the other thing that's tough about this question is there's a bunch of teams that would be fun to see in the number eight spot. And I think, you know, basically every season operates as this, but especially this season, this, this is an argument to seed the playoffs one through 16, regardless of conference, because if you could somehow get the Blazers, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans in, that would just be fantastic. Um, I, I think especially the Grizzlies and the Pelicans are, are fun this season. I'm a sucker for, young exciting up-and-coming talent so the grizzlies and the and the pelicans appeal to me a little bit more than the blazers um so i I wouldn't mind seeing either of those teams in i'm gonna go with the grizzlies i think i think they've shown enough for me to feel somewhat confident that they can hold on to a four-game lead um they've got a solid veteran presence in Jonas valanciunas and i think all the young guys are getting better as the season goes along so i'm gonna say with with mild confidence that memphis hangs on Let's see. I'm bouncing around through your questions. So now we've got Josh Webb <clears throat> at Coach underscore Webb LF. Haven't been able to watch my Wizards as much this year. With all your analytics wizardry already, who are some young guys that have performed well and should be part of the plan moving forward? I appreciate this question because I don't feel like the Wizards are getting a ton of publicity this year. I think there was some talk about their unexpectedly good offense at the start of the year. Um, But as the losses have continued to pile up, I think people have understandably sort of quieted down on them. Do we count Davis Bertans as a young guy? I mean, he's 27 years old. He's certainly somebody who should be a part of their plans going forward. He's an unrestricted free agent, which makes things maybe a little bit dicey um, this summer. I I think a bunch of different teams could use his services, and it wouldn't take much to give him a raise. Uh, I think he's making $7 million a year this season. Let me look at that again. Yeah, $7 million exactly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of teams offer him at least double that. I mean, he's averaging 15 points a game this season, shooting 42.4% from three. 
um, 8.4 three-point attempts per game. That kind of volume and efficiency is just huge for offenses these days. Um, so the floor spacing he could provide for a bunch of different teams, I think he'll be very, very sought after in the free agent market. But I, I think Washington should be very um, – that should be one of their priorities is hanging on to Davis Bertans because especially when John Wall gets back um, – I think you want as much spacing as you can possibly get, and he he obviously provides that. I'm just double checking to make sure he's unrestricted, and he is. Um, so they they may want him back, and he just goes somewhere else. I mean, it's kind of out of their control. Um, they do have his bird rights, so they can maybe spend more on him than some of the suitors. Uh, but some team with cap space is is going to make at least some kind of a play for him. Um, funnily enough, Bradley Beal is actually younger than Davis Bertans. I don't think we need to evaluate him, though. Um, Rui Hachimura is interesting to me. Um, he's 21 years old. He's missed a bunch of time with an injury this season. Uh, analytics hate his defense. But what I always say about guys in their first or second years is you can almost throw that stuff out. Um especially the defensive numbers. It just takes young players time to figure out how to play defense. And I think that he has the physical tools to be a solid defender. And in fact, I kind of like his defensive profile. Um, 6'8", 230 pounds. He's a, he's a solid athlete and he's not like, you know, the Greek freak or anything, but he's a good solid athlete. He should be able to switch and, and defend multiple positions on the perimeter. Um, what I look for more out of young guys is, is flashes, and I think Rui has shown flashes. Um, he, he's shown a little bit of a, a little bit of a move set out of the post. He can he can score in a variety of ways as a face up guy. Um, his three point shooting is not there really at all, but I, I think he has a stroke um, that is encouraging. Like I could see him developing into an average three point shooter. So I think you again. I think I said this with somebody earlier. You can kind of focus on the positives when you're looking at young guys like obviously you want to know what they struggle with and what they need to get better at um but if you're looking about who who can help uh down the road it's it's fine to kind of ignore some of the analytics because it just takes time for guys to figure stuff out um mo wagner is another guy who's interesting for the wizards he's missed a bunch of time this season he's missed more games than rui hachimura has but um, you know, in that early part of the season when everyone was talking about Washington's offense, he was a big part of it. Uh, another big guy who can space the floor. He's got an above average three point percentage and was averaging double figures scoring. Um, so I think, I think he could be a long-term option inside for them. They, they've, they've got a lot of, I think, interesting players. Um, not as dire a situation as maybe I thought before the season started. Honestly, I thought with as, as long as wall and Beal were, tied to those contracts and I, I more specifically mean wall just because I don't really know what he's going to be after all these injuries um, that things would just be kind of bleak as long as he was there but if he can come back and be like 85 90 uh, percent of what he was and you surround him with some of these interesting young guys like Wagner uh, Isaac Bonga has has shown some flashes um Davis Bertans, I think there's the beginnings of kind of an interesting team there. Rui Hachimura. Um, so I, I think, again, I'm, I'm a little bit more encouraged by the Wizards than I was prior to the season. So, Josh, hopefully that gives you a little bit of reason for optimism. Um, Let's see. 
21 Savage at number underscore one. On a scale of the eye test tells all to only real hoopers know, <laughs> how would you rate Mello's impact on the Blazers this year? I can tell that Juan has um, perused my mentions <laughs> from time to time. I, I get a lot of uh, eye test truthers, a lot of real hoopers in my mentions who like to uh, discuss. I discusses. I'm using that word very loosely there. Discuss the NBA with me. Um, another way to describe it could be digitally scream profanities at me about the NBA. But anyway, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. I, I ate crow on some of my Carmelo Anthony takes probably like two or three weeks after the Blazers signed him because um, I thought he was done. I, you know, I thought what he had shown in Houston and OKC was enough evidence um, to suggest that, you know, in combination with his age, that he was just done, I, that, that he couldn't survive um, NBA defense anymore. Uh, and, and by that, I mean being an NBA defender. I mean, he was just targeted so brutally in that series against the Jazz a couple years ago when he was on the Thunder. I mean, they were hunting him on every single possession. And the plus numbers, the plus minus numbers in that series were staggering. Um, the Thunder, I think they lost that series in six games. Uh, maybe somebody can double check me on that. Uh, but they were positive in the minutes that Melo didn't play and just a distinct negative when he was on the floor. Um and they again, they lost <laughs> the series. And I thought that was the end when he only survived 10 games with the Rockets. I, I thought, oh, now it's definitely over. Um, and advanced numbers are still very much out on him this season. I mean, he's way below average in true shooting percentage. Um, I think he still has a lot of the defensive problems that I thought had, had kind of ended his career. Um, He's only shooting 41% from the field. He's at 35% from three, which is below the league average. I think league average right now is 36.2. Or no, that's that's wrong. Um, 35.7. I actually just saw that today. <clears throat> His true shooting percentage is way below average. Uh, 56.2 is probably what I was thinking of. That's the league average true shooting percentage right now, and he's at 50. But having said all that... Um, <laughs> The Blazers are still, over the course of his 1,290 minutes, their net points per 100 possessions is 4.2 points better when Melo's on the floor. And that's hard to ignore. Um, they were very much floundering at the time that they signed him. And when he's been on the floor, they've been a pretty solid team. Um, when he's on the floor, I'm, I'm just looking at another number. Overall, they're plus 0 0.6 when he's on the floor, which ranks in the 58th percentile. Um, but they're minus 3.6 when he's off. And that's that's a good, solid swing. And so just having that third option, that third player that defense defenders have to pay attention to, and maybe it's just about his reputation. Like maybe maybe younger defenders think, oh, that's Carmelo Anthony out there. I got to guard him. And that extra little bit of attention that's taken away from Lillard and McCollum makes things just a little bit easier for them. So even if Melo is nowhere near the player he was five, six, seven years ago, um, just the fact that he's out there has has legitimately helped the Blazers. And so I was, I was off on that call. I'll I'll gladly admit it again. I don't even know how to answer Juan's question specifically. Um, I would say somewhere, <laughs> I'll I'll say a, a nine on the real Hoopers no scale. Um, hopefully you'll understand what that means. I I'm not even sure I do. Dante Sr. at Dante Sr. 5 asks, 
What is Wendell Carter Jr. good at? <laughs> Very interesting question um, by Dante. I was so high on Wendell Carter Jr. coming out of that draft. He was one of my favorite players in that class. Um, I really liked the Al Horford comparisons that he drew. Like I, I thought those were fair. Um, and he's just he's he's not quite been as good as I thought he would be to this point. But this is another guy that's young. Um, and again, we can we can kind of take some of the advanced numbers with a grain of salt with him. Um, th- there there are some advanced numbers that do kind of like him. Like defensive box plus minus likes him. Um, he's he's below average overall, but he's he's got a decent block rate, a decent steal rate. Um, his three point per shooting three point shooting is dreadful, twenty one point four percent. But he hasn't really taken many attempts. I mean, that's one of the things that I thought was interesting about him coming out of college is I thought he could spread the floor a little bit too. I thought he could be a you know sort of this new school three and D big who could defend the rim and uh, space the floor on the other end. That hasn't really come to fruition yet. I'm not ready to give up on that, though. Uh, I still kind of like the way his stroke looks. And his it hasn't hurt him from like an overall efficiency standpoint yet. His true shooting percentage is well above average. He's at 59.2. Um, another thing I thought he would be better at as a pro was passing. That was one thing that kind of stood out to me when I you know, watched him in college and kind of looked at his numbers in college was... He had a decent assist rate for a big man, if I remember correctly. I want to double-check myself just to be sure I'm not saying something stupid right now, though. Um, I, I just thought there were so many elements of him. Two assists per game in college in 26.9 minutes. So that's that's decent. Three assists per 40. Um, <clears throat> he just did a little bit of everything at Duke. And I think he maybe still does in the NBA with the exception of passing. He just does it all at a lower level, which maybe we should, probably should have just expected. Um, the leap from college to the NBA is a big one, and it takes some guys longer than others to uh, make that leap. I'm I'm far from out on Wendell Carter Jr. Um, he's a guy who struggled with some health problems this year too. The Bulls generally, too. Like I, I was I was actually writing about I was writing about Otto Porter today for a Bleacher Report piece, and I was just thinking back about how positive I was about the Bulls before the season started, and I thought. If all these guys could have been healthy, I, I still think it might have worked. You know, and I don't I don't know what that even means. Does worked mean they would have been a plus, you know, a few games over 500? Um, does that mean they'd be like a lock for the playoffs? I don't know. Um, I think they they would certainly be better than they are now if they could consistently have um, that Sadaransky, Levine, Porter, Markin, and Carter lineup, and they just haven't had to. Ha- they, they haven't had that available. I mean, Porter has only played nine games this season. So I think for all the Bulls, um, they could all look a little bit better if the team generally was healthy because the more time you spend on the floor with talented guys, the better you look. And I think that applies to Carter too. Um, I, I still like the well-roundedness of his game. I like the versatility. I think it's way too early to be <clears throat> too concerned about him. I mean, even his basic numbers – are pretty good for a 20 year old um <laughs> he, he's 20 years old i mean that's that's young he's averaging 12 points 10 rebounds uh one assist one steal and one block in 30 minutes per game that uh, to me that's that's really encouraging um so in answer to the question i guess I, I think there's a lot of things that he does well um 
He's not like elite at anything yet, but I, I would not count him out on that stuff. Okay, last one. This is from Ernesto. Oh, hopefully I'm going to do this one right. Ernesto Leal. I feel like that one could be tricky. It's either Leal or Leal. Tell me what I, or, or how much I butchered that, Ernesto. Um, <clears throat> why does the Heat defense suck? <laughs> Um, last I looked, I think they were 13th in the league. Let's see where they're, yeah, 13th. And that doesn't include tonight's results. So it's, they could be dropping. I mean, they just gave up, what, 129 to the Hawks? Yeah, 129 points to the Hawks, 50 points alone to Trey Young. Um, so maybe Ernesto's responding to what the Heat just allowed. Um, yeah, 129 points to a bad team. It's, it's not great. But Trey Young's gotten off against a bunch of defenses this year. So maybe maybe you don't hold it <clears throat> against them for giving up a bunch of points to him. And, and they're probably <laughs> – Miami's defense doesn't suck. I mean, top half of the league is not great, but it's, it's, you know, it's nothing to think the sky is falling either. Um, again, they're probably going to drop a little bit. Uh, number 14, Chicago, is at 109.3. Um, so they'll probably fall behind them after tonight's numbers get counted. Uh, but Miami's a team that you would think would be a little bit better on defense. Um, Bam Adebayo is a good defensive player. Jimmy Butler is obviously a good defensive player. Um, but <laughs> after that, you you start to get into some question marks uh, defensively for them. I mean, Goran Dragic doesn't have a reputation as a great defensive player. Uh, the starting point guard for this season, Kendrick Nunn, is a rookie. And it generally takes rookies a long time to figure out how to defend at an NBA level. Um, the fit with Myers Leonard and Bam Adebayo together is is not ideal, especially not in today's NBA. Um, they started Jay Crowder tonight, and so I think that might actually help them. Defensively, it gives them a little bit more switchability. I think you can pretty easily switch three through five at that point with Butler, Crowder, and Adebayo, and that gives you some versatility. So maybe they'll get a little bit better with Crowder in there, obviously. Tonight's result <clears throat> is not good evidence for that, but I, I think theoretically that makes sense. Um, another guy who's in the, the lineup now, generally speaking, he's on the floor a lot, is Duncan Robinson. Another guy's just not a great defensive player. So they have some good defensive leaders. They've got a good defensive coach. Um, the liabilities might just... I'm not going to say they outweigh the good players because, again, this is, a, this is a team that's in the top half of the league on defense. But you would think they could be better. Um, so maybe if you could just get a, a couple of the young guys a little bit more up to snuff, like Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, you know, Robinson doesn't have to be a lockdown defender, but if he can reach the point in his career where he's kind of like Kyle Korver was during his prime where he's just sort of big and in the right spot generally, um, that can cover for a lot of... Uh, ills on the defensive end um Kendrick Nunn I think is just going to take time again he's a rookie it takes time to to read opposing offenses it takes time to you know know your position within a defensive scheme um to be able to start to read individual players like it all just takes time um Miami I, I see where you're coming from and they just they just had a terrible defensive performance against the Hawks they've got some good defensive talent so you would think they should be better um but maybe they're just a year or two away from being a, a top, top-tier defense. Whew! Wow, I, I feel like... Uh, I mentioned this at the end of the last time I did this too, but 
not having the uh, the breakup with Dan is it's taxing on the voice. I don't understand how some of these people do like three hour radio shows by themselves um, or even like hour long podcasts by themselves. Although I've done a couple here on Hardwood Knox. Um, anyway, I think that'll wrap us up for tonight. Uh, shout out to all you guys who provided questions for me. If I didn't get to your questions on this episode, there's a good chance Dan probably will later. So continue to keep an ear out for that. Um, and uh, again, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan's at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at Blue Wire Pods. As always, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, if you've already done that, tell your friends and family to do it. And until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Oudry. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.